I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning for Captain. I hope you are all well today. Today, we're going to cover Meditation 10 from Book 8 of Meditations, and that meditation reads as follows. Repentance is a kind of self-reproof for having neglected something useful, but that which is good must be something useful, and the perfect good man should look after it. But no such man would ever repent of having refused any sensual pleasure. Pleasure, then, is neither good nor useful. Well, old Marcus seems to be doing his best to inspire Broics this morning. Hopefully I can stop him from getting any real foothold. Before that, though, thank you to new patron Barbara Kornreich. Barbara is getting a solitary shout-out all on her own this Monday morning. Thanks for the support, Barbara. And I hope you're enjoying the Discord and the ad-free feed. To anyone who is not yet enjoying these things like Barbara is, consider becoming a patron of my work for just $5 a month. I would love to say your name on the podcast episode this Friday and welcome you to the patron family. If that familial invite has swayed you to transform from free listener to paid supporter, then you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to sign up. Now, a short message from a couple of our sponsors and in no time flat, I'll be back to unbroify Marcus, I hope. Stay with me. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks, and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com 
forward slash practical. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Marcus is giving us all a major case of the moon days hat tip to all you fellow office space fans out there in that he's telling us pleasure is neither good nor useful i mean for goodness sake guess we all better become celibate or only have sex for reproductive purposes that serve the state right or never really enjoy our delicious foods i mean he is kind of saying that but only kind of i hope let's dig in You know that virtue is the only good, and so, of course, pleasure isn't good in the Stoic sense. But is Marcus saying that pleasure isn't even useful? I smell a poorly constructed argument. A near 2,000-year-old one, for that matter. Let's take it apart line by line. Repentance is a kind of self-reproof for having neglected something useful. Okay, so doing repentance, which I first of all don't think that's actually the right word, Because repentance, at least as far as I know it, is a word that's mixed up in a lot of Western Judeo-Christian religions. And if memory serves, those religions did not come to Rome until like the 300s AD, and Marcus ruled from 160 to the 180s, somewhere in there. I think he died in 180. So for him to use the word repentance seems odd. But I'm not a translator of the sort of Greek that Marcus is writing in, nor any Greek for that matter, nor am I an etymologist. So... I'll assume whatever he was saying was close enough to the idea of asking for or hoping for forgiveness for an ill deed. All that notwithstanding, begging for forgiveness is a sort of self-reproof, he says. A kind of self-punishment for not having done something you were supposed to do. Or, in this meditation, for neglecting something useful. But that which is good must be something useful. Again, the only good is virtue. So, yes, that which is good is virtue or virtuous. So then, again, yes, good things are always useful in the same way that virtue is always useful. If it's good, it's useful. If it's always useful, it must be good. Great. We've talked ourselves into a big annoying circle, and now we're sure that true utility relies on true goodness, at least according to Marcus. And the perfect good man should look after it. Yes, the perfect man or woman, the sage, 
should always be looking after anything that is good, because that makes the thing virtuous or virtue itself. And if something is always useful, then it must be good, and so it must be virtuous, and so then the wise man or woman, the sage, should always be looking after it. Marcus is ensuring that we understand the only way a thing can be truly useful is for it to be useful all the time. But the only way that could be the case is if it were good all the time. And if it were good all the time, it would be virtue. And if it seems like I've just said the same thing three times, think of how annoying it was for me to read and work through this meditation. But it seems like Marcus is trying to set us up for something because he is driving home the point over and over again, as I have been doing so far in this episode. So why, Marcus, are you driving this point home so hard? We already kind of agree with you on these points. We're into book eight. This isn't our first rodeo. So what's the deal? But no such man would ever repent of having refused any sensual pleasure. Oh boy. Sharp left, hard bank, here we go. No sage would ever punish themselves for refusing sensual pleasure. Nor, by this logic, would a sage praise themselves for agreeing to sensual pleasure. So a sage views sensual pleasure, surprise, surprise, as an indifferent. And then the last line, to really put a bow on this, pleasure then is neither good nor useful. And there it is. It seems like one of the things those stoicism influencers might use to convince men, especially men, that women and sex are unimportant things that are best left alone and pushed aside in the pursuit of virtue, because pleasure and virtue are incompatible. And so by extension, romantic relationships and virtue are incompatible. And of course, those same influencers do none of their own thinking, but take two things at face value from Marcus here. One, that Marcus couldn't possibly be wrong. And two, that even if he wasn't wrong, there's not a more nuanced interpretation that they might be missing. After all, they're Stoicism influencers. Marcus is only right here if we limit our idea of how something can be useful in the same way that the Stoics limited how they thought something could be good, which is what he's done in this meditation. But it's not something that Stoics did as a matter of fact. And if you're not catching what I'm saying here, in order for something to be objectively good, it has to be good all the time. And I've said that a couple of times in this episode now, and so is Marcus in this meditation, in not so many words. But when we try to apply this rule to other things, as you're seeing, it gets weird. Using this same approach, Marcus could say, in order for knowledge to be knowledge at all, it has to be good knowledge, the knowledge of how to live well, lest it be some sort of lesser or even non-knowledge. I think we would all roll our eyes at a statement like that because it sounds like something that Harvard weenie guy would say in the bar, you know, that scene in Goodwill Hunting. It sounds like something he would say. It sounds like the sort of thing you'd say if you were trying to be smart. Something can be conditionally good in the real world, outside of the Stoic context, right? We use the word good all the time to not mean virtue. Their idea that the only good is virtue is a novel idea, not a fact. It's a novel idea that we have to buy into as Stoics, so it's not that novel to us, but it is a novel idea. And we have to buy into that as Stoics from the past, present, or future. It's one of the rules. It's one of the things that defines Stoicism and makes it different than, for example, Aristotelianism. But do we have to buy into the idea that in order for something to be useful at all, it has to be always useful? Can we do the same thing to the idea of utility that we do to the idea of virtue? I mean, if I need a hammer and I have a hammer, that hammer is useful. 
If I don't need a hammer and I have a hammer, that hammer isn't useful at that moment, but that doesn't mean it never was or couldn't ever be useful in the future. The utility of something is dependent upon circumstances and context. This isn't the case with something good in the Stoic sense of the word. The knowledge of how to live excellently doesn't have any conditions where that knowledge wouldn't be useful, does it? Hammers are not always useful, but the knowledge of how to live excellently is always useful. Does that mean hammers are never useful because they aren't always useful? Again, this is like a pseudo-intellectual argument. It's silly. It's not smart. Let's look at the context of utility in regards specifically to pleasure. And let's label it the kind of pleasure we're all imagining right now. Sexual pleasure. Is sexual pleasure good? In the Stoic sense, no. Because sexual pleasure could be, for example, in service to an addiction. Or you might get sexual pleasure while in a drugged state. Someone's taking advantage of you or trying to humiliate you. Or it might be wrapped within the context of an affair. None of those things are good. A rapist probably gets sexual pleasure, and that's certainly not good either. So one point for Marcus. We all agree that sexual pleasure isn't good by the Stoic definition. Instead, sexual pleasure to the Stoics is an indifferent. But Marcus is saying at the end of this meditation that sensual pleasure is not even useful because it's not good. And that's the part I have an issue with, and you should too, frankly. Certainly something does not need to be good in the Stoic sense to be useful. Sexual pleasure in a relationship can be useful in keeping the relationship healthy, even though sexual pleasure isn't objectively good in the Stoic sense. Sexual pleasure can be useful at the end of a challenging day as a form of unwinding or de-stressing. Sexual pleasure can be useful as a sort of intimate education as you try to get close to another person who you care about and who cares about you. Sexual pleasure can be useful in all sorts of ways because utility is not derived objectively. It is derived subjectively and is highly context-dependent. And certainly, where sexual pleasure, or pleasure of any kind, is tied to feeling closer to your circles of concern— or being in a headspace that allows you to be in better service to those circles and your cosmopolis as a whole, it must be useful, right? Of course it must be. So one point to all of us living in the contemporary world. It is, of course, important to always remind ourselves, especially when we're taking a swipe or I'm taking a swipe at Marcus here, that the meditations were a journal. This wasn't instructions to everybody else. This was Marcus talking to himself. And I think it's probably worth imagining that Marcus was fighting an urge before or while he wrote this. Perhaps he wanted to cheat on his wife. Perhaps he was feeling badly instead that he wasn't satisfying his wife lately because he was busy on the battlefield. Or perhaps he was just fighting hunger pangs and missing the pleasure of delicious food while he shoveled sloppy gruel and porridge into his mouth every morning, noon, and night on the warfront. The point is that pleasure can be useful, and it doesn't need to be good in order to be useful. So Marcus is dead wrong here. But he is right that it's not a stoic good, because there's only one of those, and I don't need to tell you again what it is. So if you were hoping at the outset that this meditation would help you to turn yourself into an individual who could stoicism themselves into banishing pleasure from their vocabulary, mind, and lives, I hate to tell you, First, you can't do that. It's impossible, and you'll just become a blue-balled old grump if you try. And second, 
The Stoics would certainly tell you to avoid pleasure that negatively impacted your character and that pleasure wasn't indifferent, but the way you choose to interact with indifference is what defines your character, and so the way you handle pleasure and actually engage with it, whether you can engage with it healthfully or not, is something that reflects your character as well. And I think that makes pleasure pretty useful after all, doesn't it? Thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, become a patron at stoicismpod.com forward slash members. Get rid of ads, gain access to the Discord community, and enjoy a bunch of other benefits. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care.